0: The National Archives podcast series, Royal Naval Medals, An Introduction, presented by William Spencer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The subject that I'm going to deal with, it is very much an introduction, as the talk title, hopefully that will make things a bit quieter, um, suggests. So, Royal Naval Medals, An Introduction by me, who I am, and which department I work in. So, there are... A couple of things that I want to talk about in the, in the first instance, simply because it'll give you an idea of information that I'm going to cover. The likelihood of something in the archive surviving. So the medal categories that you are likely to find information on in the records that we have. Awards for gallantry and meritorious service, so you might consider the Victoria Cross, a distinguished service cross, distinguished service medal, uh, that sort of thing. Campaign Medals, so from the Naval General Service Medal, 1793 to 1840 up to uh, the First World War and then into the immediate post-First War period for operations in Iraq in 1919 and 1920 or off the coast of Somaliland, which is quite topical, in 1920. Details relating to individuals who received a Long Service and Good Conduct Medal. Commemorative Medals such as Medals of Coronations, Jubilees, and a few other instances, life-saving awards and foreign awards. Now, I believe you have these slides as part of a handout, so if you don't, can't see the bottom, I would suggest you try and follow the points in the, the handout. Now, the key record series, really, the most important one is ADM 171. Unlike the records, medal records for the Army, all of the, medal, the key medal material for the Admiralty which encompasses the Royal Navy and the Royal Marines, whether we're talking about the Royal Marine Light Infantry or the Royal Marine Artillery, can all be found in one series, which makes research of medals to naval recipients that much easier, simply because you can concentrate on one series. And apart from some of the more recent accessions, nearly the whole series is available on microfilm, so you haven't got to waste time ordering things up you can actually identify the appropriate piece of ADM 171 and then go and look at it on microfilm. So beyond the arrangement, its content and how it can be used, I will also talk about other Admiralty record series and other record series. So records of other government departments where information relating to medals to naval recipients may be found. It is not a an ex- an in- completely inclusive list. It's just a selection. So ADM 171. It's basically arranged in chronological order by campaign, so ADM 171 stroke 1 covers the medal rolls and records relating to operations in the late 18th century against the French uh, and then the Spanish. And The the arrangement of the series is it moves along war or battle to battle period and so on and so forth. So, for example, the first rolls relate to the Naval General Service Medal 1793. And then moving on, you could take, for example, campaign medal rolls for operations in the Baltic against Russia, and also ashore on the Crimean Peninsula or in the Sea of Asov, again, against operations against Russia. So you're talking about the Baltic and the Crimea having a go at the Russians from the, from the north and from the south. You can then move into the medal rolls, campaign medal rolls for operations in Egypt in 1882 and subsequently in Sudan, 1884, 85. South Africa, the Boer War, 1899 to 1902, and of course the First World War material. Most of the First World War campaign medal rolls in ADM 171 are all together, and I'll illustrate that in more depth later. Most of the long service and good conduct medal rolls are are together. Now, they only cover the 20th century. In most cases, we don't have any long service and good conduct medal rolls for recipients of Naval Long Service Conduct Medal for the 19th century, but I will show you how you can verify th- the fact that an individual received a, a Naval Long Service Conduct Medal by looking at annotations on records of service. And uh, as I said earlier, the most recent accessions are the Royal Navy Silver War Badge records for the First World War. Now it's unusual that we've taken lots of material over the years, but the Silver War Badge which was given to naval recipients, for men who had been discharged on account of sickness or wounds contracted or received during the First World War. When the Ministry of Defence Medal Office was being created about four years ago, the Navy Medal Office, which was in Portsmouth at the time, was having a clear-out, and they discovered these records sitting in the bottom of a cupboard, and we should have probably had them about 20 years earlier, but never mind, better late than never. So, ADM 171, its content in more depth. It does cover the period 1793 to 1975. Now, that is a little deceptive because it's not inclusive. There are lots of things that you will not find in ADM 171 post 1920 and perhaps the most important collection of medal records that you won't find in ADM 171 are the campaign medal rolls or any campaign medal records for Royal Navy and Royal Marine recipients for the Second World War for example and beyond that date. The only campaign medal issued to the Royal Navy between 1920 and the Second World War was the Naval General Service Medal with the clasp Palestine 36-39, to which was actually issued after the war, after the Second World War, um, but we have yet to get any records relating to, to that period. The reason why it goes up to 1975 is we do actually have the Royal Navy Long Service and Good Conduct Medal rolls. Up to 1975 for the RN, so regular basically, the RNR, Royal Naval Reserve, the Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve, and the Royal Fleet Reserve, so hence up to 1975. So I've already said the campaign medals rolls only go up to 1920. Good conduct rolls 1912, second 1912 to 1975. Coronation and Jubilee medal rolls 1897, so Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee up to the coronation of George VI. There are other records for coronation and jubilee uh, medal roles post-1937, which uh, don't form part of this talk, but I'm quite happy to talk to you about them at the end. Life-saving medals, so RHS, Royal Horticultural Society, no, the Royal Humane Society, amongst others. Also Lloyds uh, of London, they produced their own medal. And the Albert Medal. Now, the Albert Medal was originally created by the Board of Trade. Uh, and was superseded by the George Cross in 1971 uh, and a recent naval recipient of the Albert Medal has just he died um, about two weeks ago and his obit was in the Telegraph and his name eludes me at the moment but he, in 1971 the Royal Navy, or the, the powers that be decided that anybody who was still in the uh, receipt of an Edward Medal or an Albert Medal could exchange it for the George Cross. And the gentleman who's recently died refused so he kept his AM but he was given the post-nominal letters of GC anyway. Another unusual thing, Naval Good Shooting Medal. During the reign of Edward VII and up to the First World War the Royal Navy had an annual gunnery competition and the top scoring crews of a number of different types of weapon that the Royal Navy was operating at the time were awarded the Naval Good Shooting Medal. It's not very common, about 900 or so medals were awarded between 1904 and 1914, the medal rolls in ADM 171. Lists of the conspicuous Gallantry Medal and the Distinguished Service Medal. Anybody who's uh, researching a CGM or a DSM, especially for the First World War, there are some published sources, but if you're having problems, um, you may wish to go back and and visit the the rolls and lists in ADM 171, because, because in many cases they will confirm the fact that an individual got a CGM or a DSM, but more importantly, if you haven't actually got the medal, is they will actually tell you how the medal was named. Now, the data on the medals and how they were named, it usually records the incident or the period for, that the medal represents, and of course that's a useful signpost for carrying on your research. One of the other things can be found in ADM 171, specifically in ADM 17161, are partial roles for the Royal Victorian Medal. Now, the RVM and the Royal Victorian Order are two things that are in the personal gift of the Sovereign. So they are given to service personnel and civilians for services directly to the Sovereign. Good example for Royal Navy ratings and Royal Marine other ranks who were awarded the RVM were gun carriage crews for the Royal funerals and escort duties during Royal visits and so on and so forth. The first instance of the Royal Navy, Royal Navy ratings actually pulling a gun crew was Queen Victoria's funeral. The reason being that the horses that were pulling the gun carriage shied. So the Royal Navy picked up the ropes, having taken the horses off, and the Royal Navy ratings pulled the gun carriage. So that, that's the first instance. The gun carriage that was used for Victoria's funerals on display at Whale Island down in Portsmouth, for those of you who know that part of the world, And the last thing, um, polar medals. Since 1902, um, various Royal Naval personnel have been involved in operations or scientific work on both polar ice caps. And even back as far as 1818, Franklin, for example, looking for the Northwest Passage. So all the polar and Arctic medal rolls can be found in ADM 171. And finally, lists of foreign awards. Um, I will show you an example of a foreign award given to a Royal Naval recipient uh, towards the end of my talk. A lot of Royal Naval personnel either went on attachments to foreign navies or did good work for foreign navies, especially during the First World War, and in many cases they were granted awards by those countries. A good example being the Order of Majidi for operations off Egypt in 1882. Legion of Honour, First World War, Order of the Sacred Treasure from Japan for services in the First World War, you can find a lot of the lists in ADM 171. Now how and why ADM 171 can be used? The important thing is to verify uh, entitlement to a particular medal, especially if it's a campaign medal. Nearly all campaign medals are named, either on the back in the case of stars or around the edge in the case of medals. So you have names, places, dates, the medals, your signpost, you will need to identify that using probably something like the Medals Yearbook, which covers all, of, all medals, orders, decorations and medals granted by the British state, rather than something like British Battles and Medals, which only deals with campaign medals. Once you've identified the medal that you have or the, in, the individual is wearing, you can then use the appropriate medal roll in ADM 171 to verify entitlement. It's a very, very useful snapshot, because not only does the medal roll verify entitlement to a given award, of course, you get a campaign, somebody says, right, we're going to give a, cam- a medal for that campaign, so of course, all of that information and the decision-making process and all the audits trail is post-campaign, so you could have an individual who dies during the campaign, who dies after the campaign, but before the medal is issued. So it's not, the medal rolls not only capture the information relating to entitlement to a given award, it can also give you those little bits and pieces that can help you pursue your research that bit further. A medal roll can verify presence on a particular ship. Fortunately, nearly all naval campaign medals, at least up until 1920, except the First World War, are actually named to the particular ship. So um, anything for the Baltic, Crimea, the Indian Mutiny, and so on and so forth, a lot of the medals are named to the ship. So, of course, you can start using a ship as a signpost. Naval Long Service Good Conduct Medals up to 1981 are all named to the particular ship, also to the regular, to the Royal Navy. So you can, again, start gathering information. If you haven't found the one-stop shop, and I'll come on to that in a moment, a medal might give you that first clue, especially if you're dealing with 19th century material and you haven't found a record of service, if you can identify the medal, verify that the individual's entitled and find the ship, You've got your starting point then. You can work backwards chronologically to find on the musters and find out where an individual came from and forward to find out where he went. The medal rolls can be used to obtain a CS, a continuous service, or an official number to then obtain an RFS, a record of service. Royal Navy campaign medal rolls post 1885 all contain the official number of a given individual. So if you have somebody who's taken part in operations off Suakin, on the Red Sea in 1885 or in Benin in Africa in 1894 or 97, the medal roll will give you the number. Once you've got the official number, you can then apply that to ADM 188 to get a record of service in the case of Royal Navy Ratings or ADM 159 in the case of Royal Marines. So even if you haven't got the medal, if you know that an individual got the medal, they are useful signposts. Now, the First World War. As one might imagine, The First World War medal records for both the Army, as I'm sure many of you are aware, and the Royal Navy, contain the data relating to vast numbers of individuals. Now unlike the the War Office material, the Admiralty material is not digitised, so you have a number of of problems um, regarding researching RN personnel in the First World War. One is just the sheer number of, of roles to look through, but secondly, as unless you have what I call a unique identifier, i.e. name an official number in the case of a rating, you've got a lot of material to look through. The RN material, ADM 171 to 93 covers all, the, all of the officers: RN, RNR, RNVR, RNAS, so Royal Naval Air Service, Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve, Royal Naval Reserve. Primarily in alphabetical order, they will give you surname, first name and or initial Rank and the medal entitlement. Now, the medal entitlement is abbreviated, and in a way, it's a lot easier to understand the information on an Admiralty medal role than it is a War Office one simply because ST means 1914 15 star, 14 ST means 1914 star, V means Victory Medal, and B means British War Medal. There are a number of other columns where information may be contained and perhaps the most useful beyond the service details relating to the given individual is you sometimes get an indication of where the medals were sent. If it's got the name of a ship that indicates that the time the medals were issued the individual was still in the service. If it says S it means self so they were sent to the man who has left the service. If you get something like WW or FR you're looking looking at the medals being issued to the next of kin of a given individual. so WW is widow, FR is father. The next column along, you should have something which will probably say "IC and a, n- a m- number and a date. So IC is the issue certificate for the will of an individual, so that you, just by looking at a medal roll, you can get name, rank, number, medal entitlement, if he was, indicates whether he was a casualty, if you didn't know it already because the medals are issued to the next of kin. So it's, again, it's a useful signpost. All of the medal rolls for the Admiralty for the First World War period are basically capture that sort of information and are arranged in that fashion. So then you get ADM 171, 94 to 119, RN ratings. Many people come and say, well, I know my ancestor was in the Navy in the First World War, so, and they don't know the number, and they're not having much success, say, for example, looking at the records of service online in ADM 188. What you have to think about is First World War Navy is was he really Royal Navy or was he Royal Naval Reserve or was he Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve or was he Mercantile Marine Reserve. You've got all of these under the broadest sense naval permutations. So you might have to look at RN ratings, you might have to look in RNR ratings, you might have to look in RNVR ratings or even MMR, Mercantile Marine Reserve ratings. So if you don't find the man in one place, move on. There are many instances of men going from the RN to the RNVR, from the RN, from the Merchant Navy to the RNR, or vice versa. And it's very difficult, in many cases, to find a record of service. If you use the medal rolls, it's probably the easiest thing to do, simply because it'll give you that one line entry and an indicator of the next place to go. With regard to members of the Royal Naval Air Service, the first thing to note is that the RNAS was part of the Royal Navy regular, so RN ratings. RNAS, medal records, um, all the, the ratings, the service numbers are prefixed with an F, and in many cases it'll tell you by AM, which is medals were issued by the Air Ministry. So it just confirms in two ways, through service number, official number, and who the medals were issued by, an RNAS rating. a lot of Royal Navy personnel in the First World War qualified for a single British war medal only. So, a lot of people look and say, single British war medal, Ah, he's missing a victory medal, or he's missing a star. Don't be lulled into that trap, because a lot of men only saw service in key defensive positions, like anti-aircraft batteries, shore batteries, in the UK, and they qualified for the single British war medal. A good example, um, and a very rare example to, to pursue if you, ever, if you ever see a single British War Medal, the anti-aircraft branch of the Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve was set up to defend London. So they had searchlight batteries on barges down the Thames and guns, sometimes on barges but usually just ashore, not far from the batteries. All those men qualify for a single British War Medal. So their service numbers have AA on the, uh, around the edge as part of their naming. But if you then start looking at the records of service for the RNVR anti-aircraft branch in ADM 337, you will come across some very interesting individuals. many cases, men who are over-perceived military age. You've got men in their 50s and 60s doing their bits by manning guns on the Thames. And in many cases, you get the clues from the RNVR roles in, in ADM 171. ADM 171, 133, Women's Royal Naval Service and miscellaneous. Now, miscellaneous covers a vast amount of little bits and pieces like the Nigerian Naval Reserve and Royal Indian Marine Service RIMS and other bits and pieces. So if you're having problems with the Naval Medal First World War, the miscellaneous section is always likely to look a good place to look. There is a separate 1914 star for the Royal Navy in ADM 171139, It has also been published, a copy of which is available in our library. So Silver image, silver is a bit distorted, but what you see before you is a single First World War, British war medal. um, Led to Lieutenant A.W.S. Reeve, RNR, Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve. And this is him here. This is the crew of a ship called the Managem, uh, more of which um, in a couple of my other slides. Now, so you've got an interesting cross-section of personnel. You've got RNR, you look at Wavy Navy, epaulets normal RN and two army officers. I don't know which one's which, but one of them wrote a book from which this image was borrowed. It's out of copyright now, fortunately. Now, that single British war medal was, is just a, a very useful signpost for dealing with the First World War, because from his medal roll, which unfortunately I don't have an example of, it's said that he got an OBE. Now, in ADM 171 for the First World War, all the naval honours and awards, officers, I must add, there are what are called the honours sheets. Now there's a card index. The card index is on one side of the fence and the honours sheets are on the other. So the, the card index is sort of like about there. It's actually inside the reading room um, and it's a slightly problematic because you need a ticket to get into the uh, reading room to have to consult the, the index. It's a range in the number of alphabetical sequences, but the important thing is that if you've got somebody, an officer, a naval officer, whether he gets a Victoria Cross, an OBE, an MBE, Distinguished Service Cross, a DSO, uh, during the First World War, check the card index first, because it'll give you a sheet number. So here we have Arthur Reeves' card, so it says, Order of the British Empire, Officer of the Order of the British Empire, military, date was announced at the London Gazette. And it was actually, it says post-war, Executive Officer HMS Managem. Okay, so that doesn't look very exciting. It's actually quite boring. You think, oh, well, it's post-war. It can't be that interesting. But, but it gives you two things. It gives you that reference, which sort of doesn't say very much, and a sheet reference. So Honours Sheet. Honours Sheet X, page 21. That's actually a reference to his record of service. So if you ever get a reference like that on an, on an Honours card, it's a reference to a record of service which you can pursue as well. So, although you can't see the X, it's hidden. There's the 21. And across the top, it gives you the information. And it basically says Arthur W.S. Reeve, 9, stroke 1195. So, another clue to his record of service. Rank and seniority, Lieutenant R&R Royal Naval Reserve, July 1918. Ship HMS Managin, recommended by British Commander in Chief, Mediterranean. Special service in connection with intelligence organisation in Palestine, Syria, and Caramania. The London Gazette and the award, so it's just given you that little bit more. He he was in charge of the ship that was dropping spies behind enemy lines, behind the Turkish lines during the First World War. So it actually turns out to be much more interesting than the card illustrates. So very useful source. Other Admiralty records series, Admiralty correspondence covers a lot of honours and awards, 19th and 20th century. The first and second world war material are included, sometimes in ADM one, but as in many cases in another series, and I'll show you those in a moment. The Admiralty Index and Digest of Correspondence: the hows and wheres and whys etc. of using ADM twelve. It's a, a little bit of a, an art, but it can be rewarding if you're researching a 19th century award to a naval officer or a naval rating. So you're really stuck with the Victoria Cross, the Conspicuous Gallantry Medal, and the Distinguished Order pre-First World War. It's the ideal way to go. You're going to have to look for the individual and then pursue the references. If anybody wants to learn about using ADM 12, I'll um, quite happily talk to you at a later date. Lots of instances where large numbers of gallantry awards were granted in the First World War and in the Second World War are gathered together into what are case papers, and they can be found in ADM 116. First World War recommendations from the awards. not all of them, but a significant percentage can be found in ADM 137, and some for the Second World War in ADM 199, although the majority are actually in ADM 1. So, Henry Cooper, Boson. This is an entry from an ADM 12, and it says, the first top line says, February the 12th, Admiralty, 85A, Victoria Cross. Then, April the 9th, War Office, 85A, Victoria Cross, June the 22nd, War Office, ordered to attend Hyde Park. Hyde Park, the first investiture, Queen Victoria presented over 100 Victoria Crosses and and included pinning, literally, one on to one poor recipient. This is an an entry, an ADM-12 entry, relating to Henry Cooper and his Victoria Cross. So what you would actually be doing would be to convert these references into original correspondence references in ADM 1. So you have War Office 22nd of June, War Office 9th of April, Admiralty, February 1857, so 13th of February. Those references, 1, 2, 3, are all, were all illustrated in that ADM 12. And then the correspondence, this is just the cover to show you, it just says, Henry Cooper Boson performed the desperate service I like that of, of landing uh, in large presence, of, uh, a large force to set fire to the government stores, and this was in the Baltic, uh, if my memory serves me right. And they, he got the Victoria Cross. His Victoria Cross is in the Ashcroft collection. Other record series, there are many. Air One, World War One awards to naval aviators. Air Two, World War Two awards to naval aviators. Board of Trade, BT238, Maritime Cruise Register files primarily Second World War, BT-261 Gallantry at Sea Awards, primarily a medal that w- eventually was called the Sea Gallantry Medal, but it was also called the Gallantry for, for Medal for Saving Life at Sea. Um, certain naval ratings got the, the, the SGM. BT-167-84 Rocket Apparatus Life Saving Long Service Medal. You might not think that this is particularly naval in its purest sense because it's actually a Board of Trade Medal uh, given to volunteers. But, a lot of men of the Royal Naval Reserve, so in maritime occupations, also served in rocket apparatus companies. So when they were ashore, they were trying to save lives of people who were unfortunate in many cases who'd been run aground, they'd fire out a rocket to take a line to set up a bridges buoy to bring the people ashore, and we have the medal role for the earliest period. e 69, Ministry of Defence, Navy registered files, primarily post-Second World War material. FO83, foreign awards pre-1907, FO372, foreign awards post-1906, MT9, primarily Second World War, W0373, recommendations for awards army. Now, there are always exceptions, caveats and so on and so forth. Many members of the Royal Navy, but primarily the Royal Marines, were given gallantry awards for services ashore. Now, in most cases, medals for services ashore were authorised by the War Office and the recommendations can be found in W0373. More interestingly, there are a large number of awards granted to naval personnel, RN and RM for the Falklands for example, 1982, Operation Corporate, the recommendations for a significant number can be found in W0373 and W0373 has been digitised and you can search online by name. Now, that's a rocket apparatus medal. And that's the medal roll for that's BT167-84. Stroke Anything that I've said, and I'm going to show you a few more bits and pieces in a moment, which means moving around the computer, can be found in there, primarily, or you can just keep your handouts or come and ask me at any time when I'm available on the desk. Now if you just let me get rid of this, I will now show you a few more secrets, not necessarily secrets, but a couple of tips regarding naval medals. When the Royal Navy created Campaign Medal Roll, they had to verify that an individual was on board a vessel. So they basically looked at the ship's musters, the majority of which can be found in ADM 34-38. to 38. What they would take would be presence of the individual on a ship, and they would then use um, what's called the ship's book number, or basically the muster list, and then create the role with a list of names of all those individuals. So it's a, cross, a way across referring going back and forth, looking at a given individual, to prove that he got, was on the ship at the time, and then create the medal role. Now, so, Thomas Truscott, shoemaker, he was on board HMS Monarch at the bombardment of Alexandria on the 11th of July 1882. HMS Monarch, date range he joined the ship, 11th of January 82, left it in April 85. So that number there, 5 stroke 216. <laughs> 216, yeah. That's his ship's book number. You will find that number on the medal roll. So if you're ever looking at a medal roll, especially 19th century, and you're then going on to a record of service, if, you get, if that number matches with the medal roll, record of service and vice versa, you know you've got your man. Now, unlike the army where the medals are usually annotated, all medals are annotated on the record of service from a discharge document from a man, In the case of the Royal Navy, that's not always so. So there's no mention on this record of service about Thomas Truscott's Egypt Medal and the Khadiv Star that went with it. However, naval ratings who received the Long Service or Conduct Medal, their records are annotated. Now, what happened is the Royal Naval Rating went from ship to ship, ship to shore, vice versa, all over the place, and took his SC, his service certificate or parchment, with him. Now, periodically, the Admiralty sent out traces so that they could update their records. But to get the most accurate information, to make sure that the individual was eligible for the medal, they sent out a trace. So a trace would go out from the Admiralty to the ship. They would confirm that the individual had been good for a number of years, and then they would confirm that, send it back, and the medal would be issued. So you get traced, and you'll either get traced M or traced medal. And you've got traced M there, 71080. So what you're looking for is traced M or traced medal, that illustrates that the individual is receiving a Naval Long Service Good Conduct Medal. The Royal Marines do things slightly differently and they have a little box on their record of service which records the medals. So anybody who's in the Royal Marines after 1884 their record of service will note not only Long Service Medals but also Campaign Medals. This little box here medals, clasps, etc. So, 25th of July 1917, Long Service Good Conduct Medal, August 1920, 1914-15 star, July 1921, British won Richard Medal. So if you had a picture of a man, this man, wearing his medals, and he only had that one and that one, if you had the record of service, you could say, you could date the photograph. So, well, actually, he's only got his Long Service Good Conduct Medal and his 1914-15 star, so this photograph has to be before July 1921. It's a very useful way. Very useful source. Other things that may be shown on a record of service, you sometimes find, if you're lucky, that other things are annotated on a record of service. Not always the case, can't guarantee it, but it's always a, a place to look. So Isaac Edward Hawes was part of the Dover Patrol and was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal. Just here. London Gazette, 23517, awarded DSN. Doesn't tell you why. It confirms that the individual received the award. The recommendation is actually an ADM 137. But in order to get to that recommendation, you'd have to use ADM 12, find the original reference, and then do the conversion. Now, in the case of naval officers, you do quite often, especially 19th and early 20th century, get details relating to medals listed, all sorts of medals listed on their campaign medals. On, on their records of service. So, so single sheet record of service. I don't know how many of you have ever used ADM 196, but it's a huge, these, bu- these books. This, of course, is bigger than the original. But when you look at them on a the computer screen, they are probably a quarter of the size of the original documents. You've actually got rewards and distinctions, gained five months on passing out from Britannia, granted order of sacred treasure third class in gazette. When? If you read carefully, <laughs> it actually says down here, Order the Sacred Treasure, Third Class. But uh, you've got a date there. It's actually June 1919. Now, if I can find it, there is actually another annotation, but I'd need to try and pick it out. Sydney Roch also received the silver Royal Humane Life Saving Medal for um, pulling a sailor out of the... Medway in the 1890s. He also qualified for just the single British War Medal because he was in charge of the dockyard down at Portland, which is now closed and is going to be the site of the sailing part of the 2012 Games. But he was awarded the Order of the Sacred Treasure Third Class because Portland was where the Imperial Japanese Navy was based, the the flotilla that came round and operated in the channel. So Fortune's Commonwealth War Graves Cemetery on the Isle of Portland is very interesting because it has Royal Navy ratings from both wars, Imperial Japanese Navy from the First World War, German Luftwaffe from the Second World War, and the Naval VC from the Battle of Britain period. And for anybody who wants to come and have a look, that is a Japanese Order of the Sacred Treasure Third Class. Uh, it does actually signify various bits and pieces. You have a silver mirror, swords and rubies, um, and that's Sydney Roches. Order the sacred treasure. Thank you very much. This event was recorded live on the 21st of April, 2009 at the National Archives, Q. This podcast is copyright of the National Archives. All rights reserved. For more podcasts, please visit nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash podcasts.